So I want to touch on some of, some of the sits. This week's parsha, Truma talks about building base Mikdash, building the Mishkan. Uh, and we know there's a concept of murah and covet to the Mishkan. You have to have respect and uh, and give and give uh, some type of awe when it comes to the a person would enter the Mishkan with trepidation. But interesting in halacha, it transfers not only from Mishkan, it transfers into, into a shul, to a basic Knesset as well. Mishmar, the Chavaz Chaim, in his introduction to Hilchaz Chavaz Chaim, so he talks about the, the multiple, the potential multiple things that a person do wrong. When he says Lashon Hara, one of them he says, if you say it in shul, you're over the mitzvah say the raisa of having murah and kavod to a shul. So he brings there the opinions which pass on that, that it's the raisa. So that we transfer this concept from the Mishkan, which is clearly in the, in the Torah, and the Mikdash into a Mikdash Ma'at, which is a Pasuk in Yechezkel, that says Ve'ahilohem Mikdash Ma'at. So this concept is transferred from the um, from the Mishkan into, into a Shul. And the, and the Chavetz Chaim is passing Halacha Lomai, so that that's, that's how we pass. And there is, there is a Primagodim, Primagodim sees it as a Durabana, but the Mishabur is passing, the Chavetz Chaim is passing as a Durabana. It's interesting, Ramosha possibly uh, goes somewhere in the middle, uh, and he says that possibly eating and drinking in a, sh- in, in a Shul, which is prescribed, we'll talk about whether it's, or why it's permitted, um, Eating and drinking in general, it says that might only that, that's that's a minimal type of uh, lack of respect. That would be drabbanon, but uh, something of more significance. What's called callous rosh, a person is uh, you know just hanging out, saying jokes in the shul. That would be a deraisa. Um, Rosh Zalman has that same type of idea also. Rosh was talking about the chulah. It was a fascinating chulah. He was talking about um, question was bringing a seeing eye dog bring a, a seeing eye dog into the shul. So he started talking about the halachas of what type of respect we have to have for the shul. And he came out that it's permitted. Uh, he said it might be proper to maybe have the person sit off to the side so people would get be thrown by having this dog there. Um, but he says he was permitted because that, that, that was not, he didn't feel, feel that would meet the threshold of being problematic. Maybe is that specifically by a dog? The whole idea of selling a dog and- was well, he? The question was he was he was starting with the, the discussion. He went back to uh, one of the Rishonim talked about bringing a chamor into the shul, bringing a donkey into the shul, and he actually had a gemara which talks about that his that that Abaya, when he was young, his his, his parents passed away. When, uh, he was very young. Um, the, the person who raised him it trained a sheep to accompany him. So apparently the sheep used to come to him to Yeshiva, right? To, 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 so, right? So it was Abaya had a little lamb, right? Abaya had a little lamb. You know where the, you know where the song came from. Um, and Abaya, there was a punch. So it went with him to, to Shul every day. Went to Yeshiva with him, and it was permitted. Apparently, it was permitted. Ramosha says. So you see that, that that such a thing exists. I mean. Okay, it's, it, just, it was. I, I, I remember thinking, yeah, I know that Gemara. Why did I, think, well, I never like thought about thinking about the, the halachic implications of that Gemara of Abaya. With the, with, he said, well, obviously he went with him to Shiva because what am I doing his day? So he had this this sheep coming in, and maybe kept him outside. I don't know. But his, he assumed that it came inside. So let's go through some of the some of the different halachas. Um, uh, the Mishabura in Simon and Bob says that before a person walks into a shul, so a person should stop and think about the the uh, significance of the idea of walking into a, into, into a place of, of the Kodesh Baruch's presence. I have to tell you that just you know just maybe move out of the locha for a second into the emotional sense of it. And we're always looking for ways to enhance our davening. We wish our davening would be more serious, etc. Now imagine that we would all keep this halacha, all these halachas 
and we would deal with the shul with a, a, a totally different type of respect and level of respect, etc. There'd be, I believe, there'd be a concept of going into a zone. You'd walk into the shul, and you, your natural instinct would be to go into a different zone of thought. It's a place where nobody talks, a place where nobody does anything else but just pray. And if you do that, I think you, you know you would have a whole different. It would help our tefillah. I was once in a shul in in Deal, New Jersey, as a matter of fact, where there's zero. To, these people, some people drive to Shul on Shabbos, but to talk to Shul on Shabbos, they kill you before they let you talk on Shul on Shabbos. It's total silence, total respect. And it, you, you walk in and you, there's an emotion. Like you feel like you're walking into a different type of a special place. So it's, you know, so the Chabbos says before you walk in, a person should stop and have the moment of awe before he walks in of what he's about to do. And when he continues, he says it's a mitzvah to run to Shul. Uh, or if you have arthritis, try to walk as fast as you can. But what? It's a mitzvah to run to shul. Literally run. Mr. to run to shul. But he says, well, once you're in the shul, you're not allowed to run inside, inside of the shul. Once you get to the shul, you have to walk. You're in the pre- you know, I'm coming to the presence of the, the, the master, but now I need to you know, stop. Now I'm there. I'm in the presence of the king. You don't run in the presence of the king. You carry yourself properly. Shulchan um, then that's in, that's in Simon Memvav, when he talks about getting into this Birchaz HaShachar, etc. That's how you walk in the shul in the morning. Um, that the Shulchan Aruch and Simakut Aleph talks about the Allah of Kedushas Beisikanesis. So he talks about there's an issue of Kalos Rosh and Schoik. You can't be, be making jokes and, and hang out in the shul. Um, um, there's an issue of Sichibatela, of having a conversation which is not, which, which the Mishabur points out means even if it's a purpose of Parnassah, which Parnassah, we, we encourage Parnassah, it's a good thing, right? Uh, you learn some in Rabbi Ches, and it says that going out, a person who's making arrangements to travel on a ship. So, vis-a-vis Shabbos, even if you're going for Pranosa purposes, it's mutter, because going for Pranosa is a mitzvah. Supporting your family is a mitzvah, but not in Shul. That's not the conversation that should take place in Shul. Um, the Orch uh, Shulchan raises the question that, that we seem to not be careful about this, and we need to explain why. We'll never get back to that. You can talk about it on Shabbos, but you can't talk about it in Shul. Theoretically, you know, uh, you can make arrangements, but, you know, but... Uh, um, okay, so uh, I'll get back to that. Maybe the um, Sheila Shulman, greeting somebody is, is is considered proper. So that's not sicha betela. That's important. So greeting somebody is a very important thing to greet somebody. To the point that doesn't mean just say hello, just you know, hello. But you, you can have a conversation with the person. How are you? Are you feeling okay? You know, what, what's going on? That's would be go under the, under the uh, the, the uh, umbrella of Sheila Shulman, and that's that's something which is encouraged. So. There should be somebody, you know, the idea, our, our shul should be friendly, you know, but so you have the balance. Um, eating and drinking inside of a shul, this is always the question, you know, the person brings his yard site, he brings something in the back over there for the yard site. So the straight Allah says you can't eat and drink inside of a shul. Um, what it does talk about is that um, for Sarah, Sudas Mitzvah, it's permitted, and then, then the, the, uh, the Mersha, you know, questions is this called a Sudas Mitzvah? What, what, what's the threshold of a Sudas Mitzvah? You're making a Lachaim for the Chsidim. All Chsidim made a Lachaim. He didn't say that, he didn't feel that would meet the threshold of uh, Sudas Mitzvah. Uh, so, so we have to explain so why in the world are we going to be allowed this? So there's a Gemara the Mersha says, but if you originally build the Shul, you build it. Put it, making a condition that you're maintaining the right to use of other purposes. So there's a concept called Tanai. So there's three opinions in the, in the, in the Rishonim how Tanai works. The Tosis and the Rosh say that Tanai does not allow you to do anything when the shul is standing. What it allows you to do is after the shul, if the shul is ever ever destroyed, it loses. So there are limitations on, on the place where shul was. The Tanai will work for that. 
once the shul is no longer there, you can use the property forever you want. But it will not work while standing. That's the opinion of the Taisus of the Rosh. The Shulchan Aruch passes like the Taisus of the Rosh. Okay. The Ramban says that it works while it's standing in the case of necessity. And Rashi says that it works when it's standing, uh, even without, just, you know, it t- makes it totally mutter. So Rashi says apparently the minigis has become the follow Rashi. And he says, so we have to understand that that's what we're doing, and that's where he goes and continues. And once that's true, so he doesn't feel that Achille Rashtia, which we're allowing Rashul, would be any less problematic than, than bringing in the, the seeing eye dog. That's why, that's why he's about to the seeing eye dog. That's the Tumar Shachuba. So do we assume that every shul is built on that? Now, so Mr. Burr says it only works if you, you say explicitly when you build it that there's a Tanai. That's what Mr. Burr says. Um, we would hope that most people are, are aware of that, but the, pro- the probability is that there, those who argue that nowadays it's so common to make this expectation, we almost have a unspoken, obvious, considered tonight that you put some type of condition when you build it for that purpose. Um, for purposes of this discussion, what's the definition of a base kinesis? In other words, you have most shuls have multiple rooms. And there's one room which is the place where the Arakodish is. Right. This, this, oven. Well, let's just say the sanctuary for sure. The question would be in your scenario if people, there's, there are minyanim which sometimes spread to the other rooms, what status does that confer upon them? If you're in another room which is used for, for the, the, the social hall, you're great, you know. But well, we dive in the social hall sometimes. Does that do anything to us? That, that's really where the question gets more complicated. But it's not the whole building, it's the, the place where you dive in, is your, is the, is the rest of the building is fine. That, that's clearly, we have a dinner of a, like a, better than a tonight. Even. So a lobby, social hall, right. generally speaking, wouldn't apply there. Right. So the question is, you start using the, the they, you know, they had in Europe, sometimes the, you would have a minion in the lobby. The Polish, they call it. They would have, you know, the, the minion of the Polish and the minion of the this. The, so, um, if it's kavua there that becomes a regular basis, they do that. So, some place you know, raise the question that you would have a limitation. So, again, we would have this hetter uh, tonight. Um, to go into shul for something other than davening, you know, so it's, it's, it's really hot outside in the shul, air conditioning has great air conditioning. So, I want to go into the shul to cool down for, you know, for that purpose. You're not allowed to use the shul for that, that type of purpose. And then, and the the Mishabur um, is um, Even if you, even without making, a, even with making it tonight, but you know the 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 once you're in shul for the valid purpose of using the shul, so we're not, we're not going to limit you. You're, you're allowed to eat. You're allowed to drink. But I can't just use it. What what you have to do is you have to make a shul function out of it. Learn something while you're there. Dive in something while you're there. So you made a shul function out of it. Um, um, you can't use the shul for a shortcut, you know, the, the, unless you, used to have, you had the shortcut before the shul was built, which you know, it's not so common. You know, so, but, you know, but if that would be the situation, it would be mutter. Um, uh, you can't sleeping in a shul. Um, excuse me. Even a, even a light a light dose, a person not doing the inside of the shul. A person should you know, do that, go outside to do that. Um, Person walks into the shul. Person should remove the, the dirt off of his feet before he goes into the shul. Shulchan Aruch says the person should remove the dirt off his feet before he walks into a shul. Um, if, if he obviously would means he shouldn't dirty it, and we see something which is dirty there, he should remove it. So this interesting question. So I'm going to start cleaning up the. Is there is there an issue of it? It doesn't it, it doesn't befit my honor that I should be cleaning up the shul. Um, so I, I have a story. We haven't told. We have a story that Rebbe Meir Bloch. In those days people used to smoke. So he would you know he would clean up the cigarette butts from the floor. 
of course, there's always one of the one of the stories which which always goes with it is that there's one time a bucker you know came over and tried to make a joke out of it, like you know, Rebbe, if you need a cigarette, I'll give you one. You know, you know, take it, but, but that wasn't wasn't a smart move. Um, anyway, but uh, he did not appreciate that type of humor. humor no, he did not. Uh, and poor maybe. Um, but obviously, he held it. That's not considered beneath his dignity to 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 clean up clean up the the, the shul. Um, Mishabur talks an interesting question about walking into shul with with the, the, the boots, and he says you should not walk in the shul with wearing boots, unless it's a place where you'd willing to, you'd be willing to stand in the presence of a very you know an important personage wearing your boots. You come on the shul, you, you dress properly, so that includes your shoes. So uh, you know, I guess in the very very difficult cold weather, what, what they used to do. I mean, I don't sure like, you have an extra pair of shoes or something to, to, with you, but apparently he suggests that such a thing. It's about on uh, like Yom Kippur and. I mean, most people don't like have nice non. I, I guess you know, you'll do whatever you know. You can do whatever you got to do. You know, yeah. um, um, that situation. I don't think I have a choice. There's anything better than that. Um, the remorse says that a person's in the shul. A person should not kiss his children. Now, the language of the remorse is a person should not kiss his young children. to instill upon us the awareness that, the, that there's no love like the love we have for our Creator. That's the language of the, of the Ramon and the Mishnah explanation of it. So it sounds like if the, the children are older, or it's not your children, so the Kabbalah says, if it's, you want to kiss a friend, it would be, would be permitted. It's only children. Uh, Ravad Yosef has a chuba where he says that's not so. He feels it applies even to friends as well, uh, which means even applies to somebody who's not, not a child. But then the, was the question was they had a, they had a custom that after a person would get their parent or a chacham would get an aliyah, they would kiss the chacham's hand. Or they kiss the father's hand. The children would kiss the father's hand when he would come back after the aliyah. He said, that's permitted. Because that's to show respect for what the Torah wants us to show respect for. So that's permitted. As opposed to affection. As opposed to affection. Um, so then the Reserverstein has an interesting question that he, you know, he was learning with his son. And the son asked this wonderful question. And he wanted to show his son. So he gave his son a kiss. So somebody said, you can't give your son a kiss in, in, in shul. He says, I'm not kissing him for affection. I'm kissing him to show how valuable the Torah is. So he asked Rizal the question. He said, listen, if you'd be, be looking at somebody else's son and you'd react the same way, then it's permitted. Because then, then your point is, you're showing the love of Torah. But if the, it's, cause it's your son, then it's, 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 it's an expression of affection. It says and he, he felt that that would be not necessarily be such a good idea. Okay. Um, uh, let's move into the uh, just one thought about the parsha. So, starting from parshas Truma, Tetzav, a little bit Kisisa, and Vayakha Bikude, the Torah goes into tremendous detail about how to build, build the Mishkan. Uh, quite extraordinary type of detail. Uh, you don't find anywhere else. So, just the Kuzari says that what's the message? What, what is the point of saying over here? It says all of every religion it, it claims to allow man to reach God. It allows man to touch God. Right? He says, but the only religion which has such level of detail is ours. Because there's no way for a human being at the end, of, at the, the final result, to figure out how to reach God. The only way you can reach God is by him, him telling you. But for the human mind to think that he's smart enough to know exactly what God wants from him. So he says, so the fact that there's details, at first glance, like, what's the difference? You know, is it this big or that big? You know, so is it. If it's ten feet long or it's ten and a half feet long, right? What, what's the difference? I, I would take it a step further. Like every single thing which we do in life, which is real, is there's tremendous details. And, and, and any lawyer sitting over here, you draw up a document. You know, everything is details. 
Right? You're construction. You're building. You're, you're, you're building a building, and there's details upon details. You're, you're writing a flyer. You're making advertisements. And then you sit there and you contemplate, well, is this exactly what we want to say? How do we want to say it? This word, that word. Everything is always details. There's nothing which we do which is not detailed. person goes into surgery and says, you know, well, you know, cut here, cut there. What's the difference? You know, like, we don't do that. We don't like, you know, I, I would like you to work out beforehand. We think about it. We, 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 we plan. And then we, and when, then we, were very, and we execute perfectly. Anything which is real is details. The reason why we, we, we wonder about religion, why there's so many details, is because like, the, the main thing with religion, it's just a feeling. It's just an emotion. Well, you know, emotions, you don't really have to have details for feelings and emotions. And that's, that's where the mistake is. But the point is, it's not feelings and emotions. There, there, there is a plan, and there's a, there's a system which allows human being, together with emotion, because the more says, Rahman al boy, you need to have emotion as well, to do and to connect with what's, what, what is real in this world. The Kaddish Baruch Hu's presence in the world is a real thing which you want to connect to, but you, got, you can't do it with, with well, well, a little of this, a little of that, it'll work out. God doesn't mind, you know. Do you think God really cares about? I don't know. But he said he did, so I'm not going to impose my thought process upon him. I'll let you hear what he has to say. But if, if we understand that it's real, we say, well, probabilities. There is going to be details. If it's something which is like whatever, it's just a feeling, just a good, that goal is to have a good feeling, a good emotion. Then it's going to be. Well, well, we sort of lose that thought process. Um, a person's even even a kasla. You know, you have party planners and you have event planners and you have details and you know coordination, etc. Everything is coordinated. It's perfect. So I think that's the, maybe that's the, the the bottom line of the message over here is that it's 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 challenging us to look at what it means to reach our Creator and talk, connect our Creator in another way, which will f- force us to stop and think. You know, what is he what is he interest, what is he interested in hearing from me as opposed to what what I like to impose upon him.